0: You're listening to the Mount Pleasant Podcast. To learn more about our church, visit us online at www.mpbc.church. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. This morning, we continue in our series, A Life Worth Living. Certainly with the virus and all that we're dealing with with the virus, uh, (laughs) I don't know about you, but it feels like our lives have been turned kind of upside down what's normal anymore right as pastor Dale was praying he asked the question will we be the same when we return from this almost like I don't know I feel like coming out of a hole and that will happen we will come out of this and I believe the virus is causing us to focus On what's really important in our lives so so I asked this question as you're sitting where you're sitting or standing where you're standing watching where you're watching what is most important in your life what is most important in your life I think the majority would say my family I would I mean outside of Christ of course How about your church family? You missing, you missing us? (laughs) Man, we're missing you. All uh, six of us here in the room. I miss you. And you miss being here. And it's palpable. You can feel it. I can feel it. So many of you have told me, have emailed me, texted me, message me how much you miss being here. I heartily say amen. I miss you. We miss you terribly. They say absence makes the heart grow fonder. Well, amen. <laughs> amen. But even though we can't be together physically, we're still together. Thank God for the technology and that this whole deal didn't happen you know, 40, 50 years ago it would have been so much more difficult, we can still encourage one another. And we can still be there for one another. And that's exactly what we're going to seek to do t- today. The title of this morning's message is Staying Together. Staying Together. I continue to be amazed at the providence of God that He knew that this series would be preached now and that we would come to this passage in First Corinthians chapter 1 and it would be talking about staying together. In the last recorded prayer that we have of Jesus which occurred just before His arrest in the Garden of Gethsemane He prayed these words. See them on your screens. Holy Father, this is John 1711, Holy Father keep them in Your name, Jesus said this, He was praying this, He's sweating drops of blood which You have given Me that they may be what? One even as we are one. What did Jesus want? Unity. He wants us to be one. But you know what? Every single church that you read about in the New Testament except for one, the church at Thessalonica, all the churches struggled mightily with staying together, being unified. Literally, if you take your New Testament and you read through from the book of Acts all the way through the book of the Revelation, you'll see church after church after church struggling to be unified, to stay together. It's true, much of the New Testament was written under the backdrop of unity issues. Even the disciples argued about who was going to be seated at the right hand of Christ, didn't they? And this brings us to the church at Corinth. And I would argue that perhaps they struggled maybe more than any other church listed in the New Testament. And we're going to look at three passages this morning. We're, because Paul spends quite a bit of time talking to the Corinthian church. So we're going to begin in chapter 1. Then we're going to go to chapter 2 and go to chapter 3. And and this will and you'll just see the, the rhythm of this. You ready? 1 Corinthians 1. Pick up in verse 10. I appeal to you brothers by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that, watch this, all of you, see the word, agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you may be united in the same mind and the same judgment. By the way, we are the United States of America, right? Verse 11, for it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, that's Peter, or I follow Christ. And then Paul asks this question, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? He's being sarcastic. He said, I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. Then there's a parenthesis there. It's like he's had this thought. Verse 16, he said, I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that I don't know whether I baptized anyone else. See, this was an issue. Verse 17, for Christ did not send me, Paul said, to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Now jump over to chapter 2. Chapter 2, pick up in verse 1. Watch this. And when I came to you brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness. Now some Bible scholars think that he could have been sick. But whatever the case is, he could have even been ill. He said, and I came to you in fear and in much trembling. He said, my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, capital S, and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Church, I'll tell you this, a lot of scholars really believe that Paul wasn't that great of an orator, That Cephas, Peter was better at it. That Apollos was better at it. That he wasn't just a fantastic orator. Now jump over to chapter 3. Go there with me. Chapter 3, verse 1. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh. As infants in Christ, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you're not ready for it, for you are still of the flesh. Why? He's going to tell us. For there is jealousy and strife among you. Are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, are you not merely following humans? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants, through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. Verse 6 I planted. Apollos watered. See they have their own sequence of events. But watch, God gave the growth. It's about God. God has to do it. Verse 7, so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building." three passages of Scripture. And what did, what did we see? Issues of unity. One said I follow Paul. One said I follow Apollos. One Peter. One Jesus. Let me remind this church family. The two letters to the church at, the church at Corinth are very, very direct and they're very, very blunt. Very forceful. And I'll be blunt. Let's just be frank. The church at Corinth was messed up. They were really messed up. They were struggling mightily. And the truth is they had been struggling it seems for several years. Now as we've talked about in our series, the Apostle Paul had spent about 18 months in Corinth and it's been about four and a half years since he's last been to Corinth. So about four and a half, that's quite a bit of time has passed. And he's actually writing this letter, this first letter from Ephesus. He's been spending time there. He would spend three years there. I want you to see the map again because I want you to understand where this is. You'll see Corinth in the middle of the map. You see it there? It's modern day Greece. What we know of as Europe. You'll also see how close Corinth is to Athens. You see Athens there just to the, to the right. Now, now look even further to the right and you'll see Ephesus there in the middle. That's Asia Minor. Now we read earlier that Paul had been told by a lady named Chloe and her people it says that there are major issues going on in the church. Now we don't know anything about Chloe other than she's apparently a prominent trustworthy woman in the church. Paul obviously valued her opinion enough to write this letter addressing these issues. Issues brought up by Chloe and her folks. You say, what issues? Oh my goodness. 16 chapters worth of issues in 1 Corinthians. Issues upon issues upon issues. And then eventually we get another letter. 2 Corinthians 13 more chapters. By the way, by the end of 2 Corinthians in chapter 13, Paul ends up having to warn them that if they don't straighten out, he's going to come back to them. And he said, if I have to come back to you, it's going to get really, really bad. You see, if you do a little study... Uh, with the headings in your Bible, and I look at just the headings in in my Bible. The headings aren't, you know, inerrant; they're not divinely inspired. But a lot of uh, um, uh, folks that print scriptures will will put headings, and I and I look at these headings in my Bible. And I've got headings that say "Divisions in the Church," headings that say "Sexual Immorality Defiles the Church," lawsuits among believers, principles for marriage and divorce. Folks, they got all kinds of issues, and those are just the headings in my Bible up to chapter seven. We've got all we got. 16 chapters of this. So there's a lot to deal with. But isn't this true in all of our lives right now? You dealing with stuff? Sure you are. You driving each other crazy yet? Sure you are. This is why we have to continue to show grace and mercy to one another. It's hard staying unified under stress, isn't it? It's hard staying unified when everything ain't, isn't going our way, isn't it? We've all been dealing with a lot lately. And we're having to lean on the strong shoulder of the Lord Jesus. And the church at Corinth is having issues, not with a virus, but with division. Division that was spreading like a virus. The church at Corinth had chosen sides, in fact, four sides, four groups, four factions, and it was getting out of hand. So much so that this lady named Chloe had to write to Paul who was in Ephesus to tell him, man, it's blowing up, Paul. You got to do something because you started this church and they'll listen to you or so Chloe's folks thought. Look at verse 10 again. Paul literally begs them. Look at verse 10, he's begging them. He said, I appeal to you. Better word is beg. I beg you, brothers, he said in the name of Jesus that you all agree. And that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Folks, you and I are never going to live lives that are abundant. We're never going to have lives that we talk about in our series, Little Heading, A Life Worth Living, if we're constantly arguing with each other. How is it when there's tension in your house? Constantly, it's not pleasant, is it? And that's why verse 10 is such a strong admonition. There's arguing in the church at Corinth. Paul is literally using the name of Jesus to beg the Corinthians to get along and to be of the same mind. Now that that phrase same mind literally means think alike. It means same thinking. You say about what? About Jesus. Now, 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 Now how are we to have the same thinking? Well we have his word right? They had the Old Testament, New Testament is literally being written as we see First Corinthians chapter 1 here. But, but we today as, as followers of Christ we have the Word of God. And so as we follow the Word of God we can be of the same mind. Literally being on the same page, right? You've heard that phrase? We need to all be on the same page. Yes! Be unified around the Word of God. Romans 12.2 tells us that we must transform our thinking. How do we transform our thinking? Through the Word of God. Listen, God is not a God of confusion. Are you listening? God is not a God of confusion. Satan, he is the one that tries to bring division and confusion, and he tries to bring pain and chaos, and he loves to do it with stress. Are you stressed today? Do you feel confused? That's not of God. Recognize that. That's of the devil. You might need to look to the ceiling in your home or wherever you are and somehow close your eyes and look through the ceiling and say, Lord, help me. I just feel so stressed. I want to release that stress. Give that to him. Just give that to him. You say, how? Just, just say, Lord, I give it to you. And just just let go of it. Would you do that? Give it to Him. Might even bring tears to your eyes. Doesn't have to, but it may. Just release it to Him. Jesus wants us to be one. At this moment, He looks down from heaven from His throne and His desires that we be one. In fact, I love how it 's described to the uh, to the church at Ephesus. Paul is in Ephesus while he 's writing to the Corinthians, and he would eventually write this to the church at Ephesus. Look at your screens ephesians four four through five there is watch the word one how many times it 's used There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that 's where our singing group got our name many years ago. One hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith. One baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all, and through all, and in all. Now, church, does this mean that we're going to agree on everything? Nope. But we don't have to be disagreeable in our disagreement. We can what? Agree to disagree. Let me ask you as a family. Y'all been going out and getting some stuff at drive-thrus? Sure, you have. And do you take a little vote with little white pieces of paper and golf pencils before you decide where you're going? Okay, let's have a vote. Okay, here, piece of paper, piece of paper. Isn't that how, isn't that how we try to do it, right? Here's a little, little putt put pencil. Okay, all right. All those voting for Chick fil A, Chick fil A. All those for Wendy's, all those for Arby's, you pick it. Is that how you do it in your family? No. You reach consensus. Uh, Thursday night this week we uh, sat down as a family we finished up our little devotion and we were going to watch something on TV and I said I've got a movie I've been wanting us to watch and, and so I, I flipped it over to, uh, to uh, Prime and and, and, I said, and they said which one and I said, I said the name and they go and, and my family goes we don't want to watch that <laughs> so I mean, I mean I, there's four in my house now I was, I was outnumbered three to one So I pitched a fit, right no I didn't, I didn't, I just said okay. And so they had something else that they wanted to watch and and so we watched that. That's how we do things. We, 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 We as families we reach what's called consensus. Did you know that's what they did in the Bible? That they reach consensus? Did you know that there is not, try as you might, you look through the New Testament, there is not one single instance where there was a vote taken in any church in the New Testament. So why do we do it? Why do we pull out the white pieces of paper and the putt-putt pencils? Because we've brought the business world into the church. And we try to act like a business and not a family. See, now we do it here too. We still vote on stuff and... I get all that, and we've got all these bylaws, and 75% vote on this, and 50% vote on this, and we've got to follow Robert's rules. Who is Robert? We reach consensus. You know in Acts chapter 15, when they were discussing the fact that salvation is to be in Christ alone, they came together as a church, and there's over 3,000 in the church of Jerusalem at this time And there's no recorded vote. You know what it says in Acts chapter 15? It says this, and it seemed good to the church. They talked about it. And they reached consensus. Consensus doesn't always mean total agreement. There are times we're going to have to relent like I did Thursday night and I went with the will of the majority. And I didn't watch the show that they wanted to watch like this. (laughs) because I didn't get my way. You know, but there's some people, if they don't get their way, oh my goodness, they just pitch a little fit. I mean pitch a little fit. Churches have literally split over people trying to decide what color the carpet's gonna be, what color the paint's gonna be. Somebody wants blue paint, but they ended up painting it brown. And so then you've got, you got a bunch of people fussing about the blue paint versus the brown paint. Which one are you? Which one did you choose? Did you choose the blue or the brown? Are we, and it happens. It, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. And Christ looks down from heaven and He just breaks His heart. Some of the things that we argue about And you know what's even worse, church family? A lost and dying world, people who don't know Jesus, they look at us and they hear the things that we're dividing over and they go, I want no part of that. And can you blame them? And that's what was going on in Corinth. No, it wasn't carpet, it wasn't paint. It was leadership. You had the the Paul group, the Apollos group, the Peter group, and the Jesus group. Four factions. And you see as we think about the church at Corinth, Paul had started the church there. And if you go back and look at the timeline, it had been about six years. He's been gone four and a half years, but it's been about six years since he actually established the church and after he left a really really good guy came in, Apollos. We've read his name. Apollos was led to Christ by a wonderful couple named Aquila and Priscilla. They were actually business partners not only in business but also in Christ with the Apostle Paul. And so Apollos comes in after after Paul. And then at some point we we learn in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 5 that Peter came and actually brought his wife with him. And so he was there for a period of time. And so some apparently latched on to him probably because he had walked with Jesus, right? You say, okay well that's the Paul group, the Apollos group, and the, and the Peter group. What about the Jesus group? Who were they? H- had these folks actually walked with Jesus? Does that, no? Because no. it had been almost 25 years since Jesus had ascended into heaven. In fact, Corinth is about 1800 miles from Israel anyway. No, these people appeared to be the super pious people who likely said, well, we're better than the rest of you because we're following Jesus. There's always those kinds. It should have gone without saying because certainly Paul and Apollos... Peter, they all told the Corinthians to follow Jesus. No, the issue wasn't that there was a problem with Paul or with Peter or with Apollos. No, the issue is that unfortunately, and it happens even today, that people tend to emphasize the messenger over the message. And that's why we have pastors and preachers today that are more famous than their church. It's all about them. Or people try to make it all about them and this is why the Apostle Paul said I got to set this straight because y'all are using my name in this there's the Paul group see that's 1st Corinthians chapter 3 look at that 1st Corinthians 3 verse 5 what then is Apollos what is Paul he says, "We're servants, diaconos. That's like deacons, through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each." He said, "Look." He said, "Look." Verse six: I planted, then Apollos come, came along, and he watered. But he said, "It's God who gives the growth." So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. You want to know what one of the biggest issues was for that church at Corinth? Who baptized whom? Really? They were arguing about who had baptized. Well Paul baptized me. Oh Apollos baptized me. Oh Peter baptized me. See there were those who wanted to brag about who had baptized them. And Paul had to set that straight. Look at verse 17, back in 1 Corinthians 1. Go back to 1 Corinthians 1, 17, watch this. For Christ did not send me to baptize, Paul said. He said, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Church, listen, Paul's number one priority was to preach the gospel. And that should be the priority of any pastor. He preached Christ and Him crucified, raised from the dead. He preached that Jesus saves. You see Paul was absolutely terrified of saying or doing anything that would empty the cross of its power. And so am I. I want to preach and teach from Scripture, not the newspaper, not from CNN, not some politically correct message or language that comes from some politician or some daytime celebrity host. My direction comes from here. My direction comes from the Word of God. The truth. But instead across America today I'm afraid so many pulpits have pastors who are preaching these empty testaments to the changing winds of culture which have led to compromising the truth. Watering it down. Like taking a tablespoon of cough syrup and putting it in a gallon of water loses all of its power because it's been so diluted. God help us. We must preach the truth from God's word. And this is why Paul had to express so earnestly what the Lord had told him. And he had to try to return the focus of the people. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Look at chapter 2. Look at verse 2. Now before we do, hey, my phone's buzzing. Can you hear it? Can you hear it? I'm still praying. I I know for some they go, you know, um, when are you going to stop praying? When we get back to normal, or at least some sort of normalcy. I'm going to stop praying when we get back in this building, as far as the virus is concerned. Pray it away. So I'm going to pray, Lord Jesus, I pray that you will continue to take this virus away. Lord, I believe as we've been praying, you've been doing that. We, we're seeing, we've, we've topped the curve. We're on the backside of this in, in most of the country. I pray for supernatural wisdom for our leaders. I pray that for Roy Cooper, our governor. He's got to set a plan as to how this state's going to reopen. Father, I pray that you'll give him supernatural wisdom that will rise above ideologies, that will rise above politics. And I pray that what is best for our state will be done. And I thank you, Father. I thank you for what you're doing. I pray again for as Pastor Dale prayed for our frontline workers, our nurses, our doctors, healthcare workers, uh, policemen, men and women, firemen and women, all of those that are working uh, from our truck drivers bringing food to the grocery stores, the folks that stock it. Lord, I just pray for peace. I pray for patience for us all. Lord, thank you for what you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. If you set your phone to do that, are you still praying? You say, I don't want to do that. I, why? Can you pray too much? And you say, I, I pray besides 1031. Good, good. As long as you're praying, that's the main thing. Look at it. First Corinthians 2. Have you got it? First Corinthians 2. Look at, look at verse 2. For I decided, Paul said, to know nothing among you. He said, when I was with you, all I wanted to know was Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. Again, He may have been sick. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom. Maybe He didn't speak as well as Apollos or, or Peter. But in demonstration of spirit and of power. See, that's even better. So that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Church family, you know what we need? Are you listening? We need the Spirit of God to move upon us. We need the Spirit of God to move among us. That's where the power is. The power of the gospel is in the moving of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I forget that, if I'm honest. You see following Jesus is not just about following intellectual truths, truths of the head. I mean, it is that, but it's also something else. It's also the heart. It's a move of the heart. You know, you and I can't be saved unless the Holy Spirit draws us. You do know that. See, this is, we need the Holy Spirit. It's not an it, it's a who. It's he. It's the third person of the Trinity. Jesus The first person that he ever told that he was the Messiah was a Samaritan woman. A woman at the well. And I want you to see what he said to her. John chapter 4 verse 23. See it on your screens. Jesus said that the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. See that. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit. By the way we're made in His image. We are spirit beings. We're housed in jars of clay. And those who worship Him must worship Him how? In spirit and truth. Church we must worship God with our heart. That's the spirit. And our head that's the truth. It's both. It's not either or. And you know what I've found, church family? I can do everything to a T. I can when it comes to the things of God and still miss Him, like today. I mean, I've studied. I've got my notes. I've worked hard. I've marked my notes. and But it can still all be empty. It can just all be Kevin. God must anoint it. You see, we can come in here, whether it's today, or it's, I mean, the praise team, they always do such a great job. But I mean, they can hit every note, right? Never miss a note in the Spirit of God, not be in it. You understand that? Listen, I can do everything just right. I cannot miss a beat. I can speak every word as I've got it written here but the Spirit of God not be in it. We must pray for the anointing of God on our lives through His Spirit. You see, there's also times that we come in here and my battery pack doesn't have a battery that's working right. There have been times that the praise team, and most of us don't know it, but they knew it. They missed a measure, came in in the wrong place. And you know what? And God anointed it. That's so often what he does. I can can have the worst splitting headache. And and, and I'm like, how am I going to get through this? And then God just takes, I mean, and I fumble through the whole thing. And God somehow anoints it. I think we so often miss the power of God because we're not walking in the Spirit. There's an old Southern gospel group. You ever heard of the group called the McCameys? Some of you, I'm going to educate. Some of you know of them. Here's, here's the McCameys. Um, the, the, the dad and the brother's not in that picture, but they've been around forever. And the truth is, they don't sing like most of us uh, sing today. They sing by letter. You ever heard that saying? Letter. They open up and let her fly, buddy. <laughs> They do, but I'm gonna tell you something. The McCameys are anointed, especially the mama. Her name is Peg, P-E-G, Peggy, they call her Peg. You see that little white handkerchief she's got? (laughs) She sings that old song, God on the mountain is still God in the valley. And she gets waving that handkerchief. And I'm telling you, the Lord moves in. No, they might not be the greatest singers in the world, and they might not hit every note just right, but they're anointed. Are you? Am I? Turning your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. You see something different is starting to happen in our spirits right now. I believe that. I can feel it right through the screen. <sighs> Holy Spirit speak to us. This, this is the key to the entire passage today. You go in there Galatians 5 Galatians 5.22 and 23 you know those verses right? I mean it's, it's the list of the fruit of the Spirit right? Okay so, so let's look at it. Galatians 5.22 but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law and we stop there. But let's keep going. Verse 24. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Watch it. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, and envying one another. That's division. Church family, it's It's simple. We are to live by the Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit. And when we do, we'll live like Jesus and we'll grow in the faith. But if we don't, if we don't walk in the Spirit, we'll be conceited and selfish and we'll want it our way. I want the brown paint. Well, I want the blue paint. Well, I want to watch my movie. I wanted to go to Chick fil A. I don't know why we had to go to Arby's. You're being selfish. Your way or the highway? That's not walking in the Spirit. That's being a baby. Dear church family, so often we forget about the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. A.W. Tozer, y'all know I'm a Tozer guy. I want to show you what he wrote 72 years ago, you ready? Watch this. See it on your screens? How? And now, he, now, now, now think of this. As you read this, as I read this, he wrote this 72 years ago. You ready? How empty and meaningless is the average church service today? <laughs> 72 years ago. All the means are in evidence. The one ominous weakness is the absence of the Spirit's power. The power from on high is neither known nor desired by pastor or people. There is nothing, this is nothing less than tragic and All the more so because it falls within the field of religion where the eternal destinies of men are involved. Oh, my. So many churches just go through the motions. Oh, they've worked hard, they've practiced hard, they've prepared. The preacher's prepared. Nothing happens, there's no power. Tozer also said this I continued reading as from The Pursuit of God Tozer said this, see this quote he said the presence of the Holy Spirit and the manifestation of His presence are not the same there can be one without the other. God is here when we are wholly unaware of it He is manifest only when and as we are aware of His presence Are you listening today? Is the Holy Spirit speaking into your spirit? Are you aware of His presence? You go, I ain't aware of nothing. I'm still wiping the Cheerios off my face. I get that. And so often we just go through the motions, and if we're not careful, we'll do that with this. We're st- this is what now—the like the sixth Sunday we've been meeting like this, and we cannot be prepared. You can come and just sit down on a couch or a chair, and you've not prayed one second for what God will do today. There are people that are watching online. There, there are people that need Jesus, church family. Have you been praying for them? See, see, we're so, we're so undisciplined. Jesus calls us to be His disciples and to yearn for Him, to yearn for Him and for what He wants. He wants more children in His kingdom before all of this ends. Are we praying? Are we walking in the Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit manifesting Himself to you right now? One of the shortest verses in the New Testament is 1 Thessalonians 5.19. Five words. Here they are. I believe if we were to live by these five words, we'd be good to go. You ready? See it? Do not quench the Spirit. Do not quench the Spirit. And what you say, what you do, how you act, your attitude. Are you quenching the Spirit? Is there a sin dominating your life right now? Then you're quenching the Spirit. To quench means to shunt off. You want to know how you can tell if you're quenching the spirit? Your diet. You go, what? My diet? What do you mean by what I eat? Well, no, not physically, but spiritually. You can tell if you're on the bottle or on the meat. See, that's 1 Corinthians 3. Go back to it and look at it. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 1. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. He said, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you are not ready for it. And even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? These people in Corinth were carnal. They were of the flesh. They had their little factions, their little cliques, their little groups. They were exclusive. They were like a little club and everybody saw it. And if you walked up to that little group, they clammed up. Does that ever happen to you? You say, wait a minute, are you talking about a church or you talking about middle school? You talking about high school? No, I'm talking about in a church. You ever been in a church and there's this little click, this little group, and you walk up to it and everybody stops talking and looks at you. You know how that feels? See we always think of ourselves as the one who is being, you know, whatever, as the one that walks up to the group. I'm asking you, are you part of a group? Are you part of a little group and won't let anybody else in? Because they're not of your deal. People are smart, folks. They see and they get us. They get us. And they get what we're about and who we're about. Who we champion and who we don't champion. And they watch and they see our little cliques and our little groups. So easy to get in the flesh like that, isn't it? Our little cliques, that's not of God. See, we're the family of God. Would we treat our kids the way I'm describing? Let's say you've got three kids. Are you listening? Let's say you've got three kids. And you've got two kids that are a lot like you, and you and a, but you've got this one kid and they're not, they're not really like you, and so, so you're constantly on them. Would you do that to a kid? Surely not. Oh, it happens. It happens. Listen, you and I should be willing to let anyone in and to share the gospel. And you know what, as a church family, we should talk to everybody. you We're not here right now. And you're not in, maybe you don't attend this church, you attend another church. We should talk to everybody. We shouldn't, we should, and, 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 and if you can't talk to somebody, why? What is it that you're arguing over? Is it the paint, the carpet, a Facebook post? What is it? And what is that doing for the kingdom? What is that saying to Jesus? And you and I, when we do those things, we quench the spirit. And so Jesus looks down from heaven and he goes, that's the way you want to have it? You will not experience my presence in your life. Oh, we're still his children, but we just won't experience his presence. And so to compensate for that, We look for ways to make ourselves happy, (laughs) and we try to fill the things that Jesus wants to fill with stuff, and, and things, and sin, and we quench the Spirit. That's not of God, and you know what? It shows we're on the milk. It shows that we're babies. Please listen as we begin to close, if you're going to live an abundant life, if I'm going to live an abundant life, we we call this a life worth living. One of the greatest determinants of that will be how we treat one another. You know that song, that old song, yes they'll know we are Christians? By our what? By our politics! Huh? By, by, by the blue paint or the brown paint? By who our friends are on Facebook or who likes what we put on Instagram. Who cares? They'll know we are Christians by our love. By our love. You got somebody you're having a problem with, you got somebody maybe um, in your family that you're struggling with. So you're just, you just going to talk about them. Maybe it's somebody at your work. You're a Christian now. Maybe it's somebody at your work. And you got a problem with them. And you go, well, they're not a Christian. That's even more of a reason to try to figure this out. So you go in the Spirit, Matthew 18, 15, one-on-one, and you seek to work it out. No, we don't want to do that, though. We just want to talk about them. Let's just talk about them. And every time you get in your little click, you run down that that person, that group of people. That's not of God! That's not of God! Stop it! That will quench the spirit. And I'm telling you, it undermines what the Holy Spirit wants to do in a church family or in a family or in a company you're running. It undermines it. You don't create clicks, it's not us and them. God, help us if you're a leader and you're doing that. No. We act like Christ, and he brings in the harlot and the leper and the somebody that doesn't do what you do. No, they're not like you. They don't act like you. And so, okay, well, we'll run them down. He's an idiot. He's a moron. He's a fool. Maybe so, but so are you we're all idiots we're all morons we all have our idiosyncrasies we all have things that we like and things that we don't like but that does not give us an excuse to create division i follow paulus i follow paul i follow peter i follow jesus (laughs) church our behavior our behavior as a follower of Christ is a reflection on Jesus, even more so than the church you attend. Brothers and sisters in Christ, listen as we close. Jesus wants us to be united. He was praying and sweating drops of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane when He said, Father, make them one we have got to stay together you've been seeing us all over the tv right stay together through the virus stay together yes that's important and 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 as i watch this and i've been preparing this message i'm like wow it's so true first corinthians 3 9 see it for we are god's fellow workers you are god's field god's building what did you see there? Three times. You said worker, field, and building. Huh? God, God, and God. We are gods. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about what you like, what you don't like. Sometimes we have to relent. Oh, it's easy to talk down the church. It's easy to talk down the leadership. It's easy to talk down somebody at work that you don't like. It's easy to talk down somebody who's who's maybe a Christian but isn't acting like a Christian. Pray for them. Pray for them! Pray for them. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 4 and we're done. Paul said this and it's, it's, my, it's my cry today. Lord let my speech and my message, even though it may not be with plausible words of wisdom, let it be in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power so that my faith might not rest in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. Thank you for joining us for today's message. Find us at www.mpbc.church and on Facebook at facebook.com mpbcnc. Have a great day, and we hope you'll join us again next week.